you know it's funny people have probably logged on you know or opened spotify or google podcast or apple podcast trying to find the podcast and they're probably thinking what is going on the school of high thoughts is the perfect educational service to elevate your mind your consciousness your way of thinking you know it's only your thought that will separate you from the other individuals everybody can work hard but not everybody can think amazing so if you do want to elevate your consciousness then it would you'd be foolish not to be on our patreon you probably logged on to spotify or whatever platform you're using trying to look for us and that's because you know the quality we've put out if you want to continue to indulge in you know extrapolate as much intellectual wisdom spiritual wisdom as possible then join the patreon patreon is only for the people who are dedicated to their evolution if you are somebody who does not intend on evolving this is not for you if you're somebody who wants to maintain the belief systems that do not serve you this is not for you if you're somebody who is going to take the information but never apply it this is not for you However, if none of these apply to you, click the link in the description. The Patreon is where the education starts. The real education. Classes in session. The world we see that seems so insane is the result of a belief system that is not working. To perceive the world differently, we must be willing to change our belief system. Let the past slip away, expand our sense of now and dissolve the fear in our minds. William James. That is an amazing quote. And you know what the funny thing is I feel like when it comes to belief systems everybody has a belief system. Belief systems make help help us make sense of the world. Without a belief system our minds would be pretty chaotic based on the notion that through all our five physical senses we're taking millions trillions of signals. So we need these belief systems to make sense of the chaos. And you know I feel like the funny thing about belief systems is that when you get one it's really hard to come out of it don't you think Mhm most definitely And this is this is evident through you know beliefs that we have about the world and the lecture today I just wanted to help everybody examine the beliefs that don't serve you because everybody has beliefs that don't serve them An example of a belief that doesn't serve you is I can't do it how has that served anybody from the beginning of time and this is the thing we all have beliefs that don't serve us we all have ideas that don't serve us and the funny thing is is that nobody ever thinks to themselves where do these ideas come from these ideas that don't serve us where do they come from because you know when it comes to the world and your progression as a human maybe even on a social economic level it's almost like there's so many pitfalls which come your way there be maybe a financial obstacle or a social obstacle but the one that determines all of those are the mental obstacles and those are ideas that don't serve us so for example where does the idea that you you know me growing up i had a lot of ideas that didn't serve me but they're given to me as a way of protection or that's how you know the person giving it to me perceived it they were trying to help me they were trying to protect me It's funny, especially if you're black. I can guarantee almost every black person has heard you need to work twice as hard as everyone cuz you're black. Or they don't want to see you in cuz you're black or it's not going to be easy for you because you're black. And almost every black person has heard that. And once you actually get down to the bare bones of it, 
how does that help you? How does that idea serve you? It serves you in no way, especially when you elevate it to a metaphysical level. Once you understand that the first law of the universe is the universe's mental and the principle of correspondence as within as without. Once you have the idea within that you have to work twice as everyone because you're black, no one's going to want to see you in because you're black. You're going to have to work twice as hard as everyone because you're black. So you're going to have more obstacles because you're going because you're black. You're not going to be hired because you're black. Once you link those to metaphysical levels from your consciousness projecting that onto the physical plane, you'll see quite frankly that those ideas don't serve you at all. And we all have ideas that don't serve us. We all do. What do you think, Zach? I definitely know for a fact we have ideas that just do not serve us. And it all stems from the beliefs that were instilled into us through our family, through our school systems. For And when, I, when you talk about school systems, not only the teachers, it can also be your, your peers as well. It could be the, the small community within the school from your, your the people that's inside of your classrooms. Let's say, for example, if somebody has a hole in their shoes and everyone bullies that person for having a hole in their shoes. Now you're scared to have a hole in your shoes because you believe now that that is bad. That's something that will make you a less lesser human, makes you inferior to have a hole in your shoes. Now you could have a, a hole in your shoes on purpose. You don't have to go through the society's expectations of how you should dress. You know, let's take, for example, now people put holes in their jeans. Now it's normal, but before, it wasn't it was believed to be a bit weird like if you was wearing jeans you would be just a weirdo but now it's it's a fashion statement my so mom hated ripped jeans <laughs> i'm telling you and it's quite common in the older generation like you, you you see them judging you for wearing ripped jeans but in the younger generation people idolize ripped jeans they want you to wear ripped jeans they think you look cool if you wear ripped jeans right so when it comes to beliefs we need to think about what is a belief well a belief is something that someone accepts as true or real, something that is now a part of our reality and it's something that is factual, but it might not necessarily even be factual. In fact, most of the time, the beliefs that we ha that you have will be formed without any actual concrete proof. And when you have multiple beliefs, in your mind it forms a belief system and that belief system influences this hallucination that you call reality we walk around and as as nero said the universe is mental as within so about whatever you see within is what you will see and experience without when you believe that if you're somebody who's racist right and you are looking at the TV and the news channels are pumping this news to you and presenting this, this reality that young black men are criminals. All they do is smoke weed, stab each other and rape people. Now, when you meet up with your other racist people, your racist friends, who are also within your, your social circle, because people tend to hang around people with similar, similar belief systems because it makes them feel safe. When they all congregate together, you will find that they then reinforce this belief through conversation. And now they all agree on this one fact, even though 
they might not necessarily even have proof about the fact because these people may have never even met a young black man in their entire lives. So when they do meet that young black man, they automatically have a perception of them without actually knowing them, right? So do you see how your belief systems can form and influence this hallucination that you call reality? And almost think about it, like, what does the idea that there's somebody outside in the world that wants to hurt you, how does that serve you? And, you know, the funny thing is, like, I feel like when you first, I guess, get into this air quotes woke side of reality, everybody starts off with conspiracy theories in it. But the more I've kind of elevated my consciousness and the more I've learned, I've learned that conspiracy theories are cool, but how does the idea that there's people out here that want to use you and destroy you, how does that serve you? How? It literally doesn't serve you. If anything, it only contributes to more mental torture, like what hearing about, you know, child trafficking and rituals and all of this, how does that serve you? It doesn't, it just contributes to more mental torture. And the thing is a lot of people don't have the mental fortitude to actually withstand and carry those thoughts properly. So it does nothing to you but mental torture. Like for example, everybody, like Zach said, every idea needs to be examined and every idea needs to be examined. You need to think to yourself, okay, I have this idea, where did it come from? And then who did it come from? For example, the idea that you have to work hard for money. I guarantee if I asked everybody, do you think if you want to make a lot of money, you have to work hard? Everyone's going to say yes instantly. But it's like, all right, cool. You know, logically, it makes, it makes sense. But then trace, trace back the roots. Okay, who, where did you hear that from? You heard that from your parents, cool. Where did they come from? A, maybe a third world country or a lower socioeconomic background. Then where did they get it from? Their parents were even more poor. And then all the way up to the top. And then who gave you the idea that you need to work hard to make a lot of money? The person who wanted you to work hard. Mm -hmm. So once again, how does the idea serve you? And it's funny as well, because when you even think about how they did that, right? They gave people two choices. Either you work hard and you make money or you don't work hard and you're poor. It's amazing. But people don't realize that those aren't the options that you're limited to. You could literally say, you know what? I'm not going to work hard. In fact, I can work hard, but I'm going to work a bit smart. I'm going to think about it like this. Instead of thinking how many hours I can trade for money, let's see how many sales I can make for money. And just switching to that mindset, you could be like, okay, cool. You could be somebody selling your time and energy and expertise for 20 pounds an hour. For most people, that's great pay. However, you could also be somebody who creates a, a system that allows them to sell a product or service that will make them a hundred pounds an hour, a thousand pounds an hour, 10,000 pounds an hour, a million pounds an hour. So do you see how different that is? And that one switch in their mindset and belief system is insane. The fact that they now go from, they, they've gone from thinking that you have to work hard for money to just thinking, I just need to work smart for money. And then once you have that money, what do you do then? You have two choices, three choices. You either blow it, save it, grow it. And 
then that, from when you get to that position there, then you can think about, okay, cool. I definitely don't want to blow it because then I'll just be back at square one. How can I grow it? How can I maintain it? How can I retain its value? And if your belief system is, is solely, I can only work hard for money, I don't believe that you'll actually be able to grow your money in a sense where it's going to grow how it should be growing. Because when you break it down, currency, when you think about an electric current, when you think about a water current, what is it? What's the common denominator? They both move. They both flow. If your money is a currency, it needs to flow. If it's not flowing, if it's stagnant, which most of the time when you're working hard for money, it is stagnant. It just goes straight into your bank account and you know it sits there and it depreciates in value. You might get the 1% interest every single year or you might get 0.1% interest or you might get 4% interest. But most of the time it's not outplacing inflation. So when you think about it like that, you know, you got to switch your mindset. You really do. And it all stems from your belief system and your belief system will dictate what you are capable of. Because if you don't believe that you can do something, automatically you're going to write it off as if, you know, I'm because I, I believe that I can't do it, I may as well not even try. And how does the idea serve you? It doesn't serve you well at all. I literally want everybody to almost be an accountant of your mind, be the accountant of your mind and count every expenditure, every, 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 I guess, thought that you have. Categorize it. Serve me or doesn't serve me? For example, thinking that because, you know, you're a female, life's going to be hard. It's going to be harder for you to climb up maybe a corporate ladder. It's going to be hard for you to, you know, transmute into business. How does that serve you? How does that serve you? If you're poor, how does the idea of the rich getting richer serve you? That's a funny one as well, because you constantly see this argument, right? Oh, the rich are just getting richer. Da, 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 focusing on the wealth gap. But then you're thinking, instead of placing your focus on how you can increase your quality of life, your capacity to, to receive resources, you focus on the fact that other people have more than you. And subconsciously, you're telling yourself that you cannot have more than what you have right now. You're subconsciously telling yourself that you are limited to your current reality, but that's completely false. Or it can be true if that's what you believe. But you see, if you have a choice of having two things as being true, which one would you prefer? Your poverty or your abundance? And this is the thing. I heard a quote. Somebody said, the individual who thinks they can is right. And the individual who thinks they can't is right. Mm -hmm. And it all comes down to your beliefs. And like, you know, there's there's four noble truths of Buddhism that Buddha gave. One of them is life is suffering. And the other is life is suffering because of attachment. Now, oftentimes, attachment causes suffering. You know, this is why when, you know, things happen to things that we like, that we're attached to. For example, someone drives into your car and you're attached to your car. That's upsetting. You know, you're in love with someone. You break up. You're attached. So that's why it hurts. You know, we only suffer we only suffer because we're attached to things. This is what Buddhism teaches. This is one of the four noble truths. And one attachment that people don't ever think about is an attached to a belief system. Mm -hmm. Attachment, formless attachment, formless attachment in the sense that you can't touch an idea. 
is something that's formless. And once you're attached to something that can't be quantified or something that isn't tangible, it puts you in a very dangerous spot because it's that formless attachment, formless attachment that has led to the murder of people for having a difference of opinion, a difference of ideas. And it's like people are willing to kill people and even die for beliefs that they've never examined where they came from. Beliefs that they never examined if they served them. Can you imagine? That's crazy. And, you know, you know, an example of that is, you know, look all around you, what happened over the past year. You know, people, especially people who are professionals, who have studied years on a particular topic, being told and gaslit basically saying that, you know what, because you have this idea in this topic and this belief in this topic, you're spreading misinformation, you have Precisely. to be silenced. Precisely. And But the problem with that is, you know, when you silence people, you disrupt the conversation. But the only way how we kind of reach conclusions is through conversation, right? That's how we spread ideas and how we grow and how we become more innovative. When you look, for example, in the, I don't remember what century it was in, but I remember that there was a scientist and he was living during the era, era of England where basically the whole city was run by the church. And if you went against the church, they would put you in exile. They would pretty much shun you. They wouldn't want you inside of their community. This person started to perform surgery and started to learn about the heart's ventricles and so forth the, how the blood circulates through the body and you know that transformed the medicine that we have today and without that person we wouldn't be where we are today in terms of the technology that we have that saves lives every single day millions of people's mm -hmm. lives mm -hmm. and at first the, the church shunned him the church put him in exile the church said that you can't you can't sit with us you can't be a part of our community because you are going against the will of god but when you really think about that, that belief system that the church had, it didn't allow this person to really introduce this technology that was going to empower the world medically. And if he had listened to them and had been like, you know what, you're right, it's going to get the will of God, I shouldn't do this no more. What would happen then? How would that have affected the people that have come after him, right? Just think about how powerful your belief systems are and how they really do dictate your process and your actions and your thoughts and your entire reality. You must, as Nero said, you must be the accountant of your thoughts and your beliefs. Because if you don't learn how to extract the, the thoughts that do not serve you, they will literally run you. And, they will and you won't you. even, and they will eventually destroy you. There's a quote, I don't remember which philosopher said it, but it goes along something like this. The mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. That's and that is completely true. When you think about it, you let your belief systems run you. And, and, they, will, and they will serve you, bad or and good. Exactly, bad or good. And if you know that it could be bad or good, then you may as well become that mental accountant and make sure that the ones that are good are the ones that are at the forefront of your mind and even sitting in the back seats of your mind, right? So if that's the case, 
why are you sitting here not examining your mind? Why are you allowing your mind to run you? Why are you blindly sleepwalking through life? It doesn't make sense. If your mind is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master, just examine your, your life right now. Examine the results that you have, right? Maybe you're in a, in a job that you just do not enjoy. Maybe you are always arguing with your partner. Maybe you are, you are falling under the spell of an addiction. Think about it. Has your mind been a wonderful servant or has it been a terrible master? If it's been a terrible master, I think you really need to sit down, get a pen and paper and just write down the belief systems that cause you to take these particular actions that lead to these particular results. And really think about those beliefs. Where have they come from? Who gave that belief to you? If anyone did give that belief to you, does it serve you? Does it not serve you? If it doesn't serve you, what belief could be re its replacement, its alternative that could serve you? For example, everyone wants money. But the problem is, is that we all believe that it's, it's only accessible for the few. We believe that you have to work hard for money. We believe that the only way to, to make money is to apply for a job and to take one from an employer. But what if I told you that you could literally create your own system to make you money? That could make you money in your sleep. That could make you money when you are on holiday. Maybe you could be a digital nomad if you wanted to, right? So if, if, if your belief is that money is only accessible for the few, maybe you can change that and really sit down and think, you know what, if I'm able to access money right now, if I have money in my bank account, clearly it's not accessible for the few. Because if it was only accessible for the few, I wouldn't have anything at all. So then you need to switch your belief system from it's only accessible to the few to it's abundant to me. It's everywhere. They print money every single day. The Federal Reserve prints money yeah, every single day. The central banks print money every single day. But you think that there's a shortage. You think that money is a scarce resource. You know what? But you know what? Money is all around what? you. And you know what? Let me take it a step further. This is going to blow everybody's minds. So like Zach said, there's an abundance of money being printed. Now, the largest transfers of money are made via satellite communications. Mm -hmm. If you know how satellite communications operate, they operate through radio waves. Radio waves are passing through your body right now. Mm -hmm. Money's passing through your body, my friend. <laughs> and there you go. And there you go. And it's just all about redirecting that energy towards yourself. And, you know, touching upon the brilliant quote that Zach gave, you know, regardless of whether an idea benefits you or destroys you, your mind is a great servant. It will serve you regardless. No matter what you say, it will serve you. So you might as well tell it to serve you for some good things or, you know, regardless of your suffering. Mm -hmm. So why not accept the idea of abundance? Why not disassociate yourself from thinking that life has to be hard because you're a woman or because you're black or because you don't speak English that well or because you're an immigrant or whatever it may be or because, you know, 
how does the idea that you're not a smart person, how does that serve you? You know, we always hear people say, I'm not smart. How does the idea of being clumsy serve you? It doesn't. Why do you say that? Every idea that doesn't serve you needs to be expelled, destroyed, hunted, and executed. <laughs> I love the way you said it right there. <laughs> I could just imagine me in my head, just like with a bow and arrow, just hunting down these false belief systems. <laughs> Precisely. One after another, bro. Quick scoping. <laughs> 1v1 of rust. There you go. Yeah, man. It's funny, though, because the mind is, is it's a wonderful medium for, or let's say an instrument for your emotions. But the problem is, is that a lot of you have allowed your emotions to master you. Mm -hmm. as a result your mind is only going off of impulse it's not calculated your mind does not think things through it only goes off of emotions but the problem with emotions is that they're malleable they're fleeting some of you may be experiencing situations where maybe you've gone through something maybe something traumatic and because you've you experienced this one thing that is traumatic, your mind creates pattern recognition systems. And when you see something similar or something that reminds you of that traumatic event, those, emos those emotions spark again. And when mm -hmm. they spark again, you respond and react based off of that. But the problem is, is that, you know, there's a difference between responding and reacting. A lot of you are reacting instead of responding. So automatically, when you see these things happen again, you react in the exact same way that you, that results in a negative or an, an unideal result, a consequence that you do not want. For example, some of you may be the jealous type in a relationship. Maybe you've been cheated on before. Maybe, you know, you believe that you're not good enough. And every single time you see your partner talk to somebody of the opposite sex, the first thought in your mind is, oh my God, they're cheating on me. And when that thought happens, your emotions are reminded of this event that broke you down, that led you to heartbreak. And that's a powerful emotion as well, that deep sadness and loneliness. And when this happens, you then respond in usually a quiet, erratic way and this actually might lead to the person that you love and are fearing of them of, of losing them you end up actually creating an event that causes them to leave you maybe you lash out maybe you start to restrict them and and hold them too tight and they feel claustrophobic and they feel like they're suffocating in your relationship and they end up leaving you and you see how these emotions that we feel can often lead to actions that then lead to results that are just undesirable. We literally manifest what we do not want through our fear of what we don't want. That was beautifully said. <laughs> However, if none of these apply to you, 